If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild Podcast, everyone. Now, as hunting season gets underway, a lot of us hunters are chomping at the bit to get out, but for many people, that might only mean a couple of days. With busy schedules, families, even just other hunts, sometimes all we have is a short weekend or two to make it happen. And while I do spend a lot of days out hunting, many of my hunts are on a short time frame. I might be chasing elk between guiding hunters or have a couple of tags that I want to hunt in limited time to do it. So I've developed some great strategies for finding success in a short amount of time. So this week goes out to all those weekend warriors. I'm going to break down the steps you can take to maximize your hunt time. But before we do that, I want to share the story of this year's archery elk hunt where I made good with very little time. So this September, as the archery elk season rolled around, I had a few other hunts that I'd already planned, but I picked up this over-the-counter archery elk tag in a place that I thought, oh, this would be fun to hunt. I really want to check this spot out. The unfortunate part is I kind of needed to fit it in between some other hunts and a schedule amongst other things, work and other stuff. So I had what amounted to a pretty much a weekend. It was not quite three days, like two and a half days. And then I can maybe stretch it out uh, with another half day at the end if I had to, but I really needed, it was like the day that I arrived, I could hunt. And then I had, you know, two other days to get out and get after it. So, you know, I had hunted this area before, but I also wanted to check out a few spots that were new. So what I did, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time just at night, like before bed, I'd be like sitting there on my phone, just tagging spots to check and, and different little, ooh, look at this little meadow. Oh, I like the way this basin's shaped. Okay, this could be a, a good spot. And so went out on the hunt, you know, still shooting with the mouth tab because I mean, if you missed it, but anyways, long story short, right hand's jacked up. So I got to bite down at the mouth tab to draw the bow back and shoot. I'm shooting 60 pounds because everybody's like, how, how much are you shooting with that? So I'm shooting 60 pounds and I'm still shooting a fairly heavy arrow. I'm shooting the day six arrows with Evo broadhead. I think my total arrow weight is um, right around 500 grains. So this is just for everybody that I know is going to ask. So back to the story. So go out the first morning. We decided to check a spot where I'd seen some good meadows while e-scouting and they weren't like big meadow, like not big grassy open areas or whatever, just it was steep country and really timbered country, but there was just a couple little openings on the south side. So 
as I'm moving in in the dark, I, I bugled. And sure enough, get a bugle in response back. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And it was pretty much the worst bugle I'd ever heard, though. So I thought, eh, is this really an elk? Come on, this is probably a dude. And then I bugled again, bugled again. Ah, man. And then I just waited, and it didn't bugle for a while. I thought, if that was a guy, he probably would have bugled back by now. And then I bugled and I bugled. I was like, okay. So I dropped down, and then it made another bugle. And I thought, yeah, that's definitely an elk. I don't think anybody else is in here. I didn't see any vehicles, but who knows. So I start moving in, and sure enough, I spot the bull. He's like 80 yards away. Give him some bugles. Uh, he calls back, and now he, he wants in. So I threw out some cow calls too. It was actually interesting because I thought it, was, it wasn't a giant bull. It was just like a you know a lone kind of raghorn bull, and I thought maybe this bull – will be interested in the cow calls. So I, I cow called him and he was very interested, kept peaked his attention. He would bugle, but he wouldn't come any closer. So I switched back to the bugles and he was raking this tree and then he, he starts to walk in. There's so much thick stuff. He couldn't get to me. Uh, so he walks in about 30 yards, just didn't have a shot too thick. And then he goes back to that tree and then he comes out around the other side and then goes back to that tree. So I think, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move to the right. When he's raking that tree, I, I started to move in. Then he'd stop raking, you know, call. I still needed to keep his interest. And I move into a position where he's like twice. He went out to this point, bugled, and went back to the tree. So I thought, why didn't he rake the tree? I'll get to that interception point, and then I'll bugle from there. Get into there, call, and sure enough, this time he commits. Walks right in to, I don't even know, real close, under 20, uh, but just so thick. And unfortunately, didn't get the bull. So that was like first morning. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. The days that I got, got to hunt was what I consider the peak of the rut. Uh, I picked the days very wisely <laughs> because it was like, it was just pure action. So that afternoon didn't get into much. Ended up getting into some elk. So it's the last morning and I, and I go back to this spot where I'd encountered some bulls and there's like, oh, there's just dudes everywhere. And I'm like, man, there's somebody where I wanted to go in. There's vehicles parked everywhere. I'm like, oh, gosh, darn it. Like, I don't know what to do, but I'd scouted out like a good trail to check out. And I thought, well, you know, there's already people just kind of everywhere. So I'm like, well, I just picked a ridge where I'd actually been. And I was thinking, okay, well, I'll just call from here just to see what's around. Maybe I can figure out where the hunters are at, just whatever. So I bugle and a bugle rips up like where my truck was. And I'm thinking, ah, dude, there's probably another dude on the road. And then it bugles, you know, then now I, you know, no, it's not a dude. So now it was above the truck. Now, now I'm working back up toward my truck. And I, I don't know if the bull was coming. And then I think he actually probably saw my vehicle blew out. We ended up chasing him up and nothing. So now the morning's over. And I think, man, that's a bummer. And there's people everywhere. And I'm like, darn, that could have been a really good opportunity. And I just kind of picked a, a sort of a random spot and just happened to be probably a place that other people didn't stop. You know, vehicles driving over and, and he was above and we were below. So it just didn't work out. So now it's like mid-morning uh, or probably like, I guess the sun's up at this point. And I decided, well, I'm just going to glass. So I start glassing. And I'm looking across, I'm just glassing around because I thought I heard this faint bugle. 
thought, well, that's where somebody clearly was at the trailhead there. So I start glossing over to see if I can figure out where they are so I know where to go. And I look and I see this like nice six point bull walking down, like up toward the trail. And he walks right past a truck parked on the trailhead and then right down the trail. I'm like, dude, if that guy was in his truck, he would have killed this bull. I've never seen that before. Like probably walked 10 yards from this truck in the middle of the season in a general over-the-counter area. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Everybody's away from their vehicles in here. I'm like glassing toward a road because I was like, oh, there's probably somebody just calling from the road. And here's an elk. So I see that bull and I'm thinking, okay, well, we got to go over there and just see if we can get on. So go back to the truck, drive over the trailhead, park, start hiking in, give it some bugles, don't hear anything. And then see the guys down lower walking back. And it was like, they weren't very far from the vehicle. I don't think they took the trail. So I'm like, all right, there's just too many people here. We got to do something different. This is our last day to hunt. We didn't have a lot of time. You know, it seemed like there's people everywhere that I called in a bull the first day. I felt like I got lucky. Then just like dudes everywhere. And I felt like there's elk, but man, it's just so much competition. And I just picked that spot on the map. It was a long ways away. Said, okay, that's where we're going. So we start hiking, hike maybe four or five miles. I mean, obviously not super far, but uh, far enough that nobody else really, I don't think anybody had been hunting in there. And there was so much traffic in these other areas uh, because there was just road access to different places, you know, and you, you scout it out in the map and you go, okay, yeah, I think I can get away from hunters here, but just that's where everybody wanted to be. So we just walked a little bit further. I had somebody with me filming as well. And so we, uh, we hike in and midday, I'm just as getting in a new basin, throwing out bugles. I bugle and I hear this like faint little bugle back. And what I was assuming was it was a bull that he wasn't talking to me. So my bugle was like locating like, hey cows, I'm over here. And then this bull's doing these little like, or just these light little whimper bugles. And I could tell he's like, he's talking to his cows. So he's bedded with some cows. So he sit up there, bugle again, and, and he's now getting, he's not moving, but he's just being quiet. And the wind was not good to stalk in and, and move in on him. It's just swirling and, and terrible. So just side, sit back. It's our last day to hunt, but we're just going to play it, like just play it smart. So I decide I'm going to wait till the evening when they get really fired up and then try to call this bull in. So it starts to get evening time. I don't hear his bugle at all. So I think, well, he was up toward this ridge. Maybe he went over the backside. So hike over backside. Sure enough, get him fired up down in the bottom. Well, when I do that, another bull bugles up in the basin up at the top. So we were like, well, we got to go that way to get to this bull. Let's go check out this other bull. Go to that other basin and there's a nice six point and a cow and they are just out in this burn but it is like wide open basin he's got cows he's bugling but i think okay there's no way that i can close the distance to call this bull in and now the the clock's ticking we've got maybe two hours left decide let's go see what the situation is on this other bull and see if we can make a play on him so drop down because he's still bugling so we drop down to the other bull the one that we got fired up and by the time we get to where he is, he's now bedded again 
and it's we probably got 45 minutes maybe an hour left to shooting light spot embedded so okay well maybe i can sneak in so i start i crawl in we get into a good spot just to set the scene it's like in a big wide open burn but there's a little bit of topography there's like a creek running down and he's up above the bottom of this creek bed and now i'm like on the steep slope across from me crawling through the open in the burn so i crawl forward i get about 140 yards bugle he bugles and then just not really interested give him a few other calls and he's just not interested. He's, I'm like, this bull is bedded for the night. He's not going to get up. So now it's time to change the play. So I, I'm going to try to sneak in on this bull. It's like our last effort. So crawl back out, drop down the mountain, and I'm going to sneak up the draw that he's in. Start moving up. And I dropped a pin where it looked like he was. At this point, we sneak in, drop the pack, and I'm like, he is right here somewhere. So you start slowly going up this real steep bank. And... I don't know if it was like the sound or if he saw or sm didn't think he smelled us, but I think either sound or whatever, he like busts up maybe 18 yards away and starts to run out. And the second he moved, I had my, when I sneak in, I always uh, have my elk call in my mouth. I just let out a bugle <laughs> and then just knocked an arrow and moved up to the rest of the lip. And sure enough, that bugle stopped him. He started gathering up his cows. I bugle again and I see him. He's 45 or 47 yards. I pop up, I range him, let out another bugle. He's standing there broadside. I draw back. So now I'm out of sight, duck down, just bite down, push forward, draw back, get everything level, stand up. And he's still there broadside, put the pin in the spot, open my jaw and the arrow sails and it sounded good and he runs off i let out a few more bugles i'm like ooh, that was nice i think that was good like it, everything felt good you know i just want to make sure give him a little bit of time so we probably have it was like right before sundown and you can hunt until like 30 you know like dark is 30 minutes after sunset so it was like five or ten minutes before sunset but we're on the dark side of the hill there's still sun on the mountain behind us and i'm like all right we're gonna give him a few minutes i don't want to push him I just slowly snuck up to where the arrow was and perfect pass through, good blood. I'm like, all right, now we can start blood trailing. So we start blood trailing, but just going real slow, glassing, because it was just hard to tell where I hit, but I, I knew it was good. And sure enough, maybe 50 yards away, it was, I was a little concerned because it was running uphill, but he was just so in rut. I don't think he even knew he was hit, just chasing his cows. There he was, piled up. And... A sweet bull, awesome bull for a couple days of hunting in an OTC area with a mouth tab. I was like, man, so stoked. So I quartered him up and uh, actually called a couple buddies to come in and help pack him out and got back. I think it was like three in the morning by the time we got back. I had to pack it up through a bunch of deadfall and then got on the trail and had a smooth sailing from there. But awesome hunt. And, you know, it was cool to be able to, to take a tag and make good on it with only a couple days. And, and that's, I feel like in many ways, my strength in a lot of hunting scenarios where I go into a new area, I just use a lot of the same tips and tactics and things that I share with you guys, but, you know, find my own success in, in some, in a lot of times, a short amount of time, or, you know, having the ability to go out and like, all right, I picked up this tag. I really wanted to hunt this area and was able to make good on the tag so what i did this week is I, I just wrote down 10 tips that i think if you've got limited time to hunt this is 
some awesome things to think about to help you find that success. I know a lot of people, it's like, hey, you know, maybe you're hunting somewhere close to home or you've got a tag and you can hunt one weekend here at the beginning of the season, one weekend at the end of the season, or maybe, you know, you've got a couple tags and you used up all your time on one hunt, but you want to go out and just see, because if, if you stay home, you know, success is going to be zero. You're going to be not filling that tag. But if you go out, there's a chance. And I think that these tips are not just for guys going out for a couple of days, but really in many ways, a, a lot of them are just kind of the philosophy that I use when I'm hunting anything. And, and I started to kind of really think about the tips that I find a lot of success with, you know, even when I'm guiding or whatever, because a lot of the trips that I do guide, we find a lot of success and we do it within, you know, a set amount of time, five days, like you can't extend it. That's a good amount of time, but I feel like for those hunts that I have personally, where I just got, man, I've got two days to hunt in between work or whatever else I got going on. These things really, I think will help you fill that tag and be more successful. So the first tip, if this is an option, go where, you know, there's no knowledge like past knowledge or previous knowledge. If you've hunted a place and you've had success, I know it's always fun to kind of go explore new places, but when you've got limited amount of time, go to somewhere you know, somewhere that you're familiar with. Now, I would say if you hunt a place and you weren't successful and didn't find anything, then you can use that previous knowledge to find a new spot. A lot of the success that I've had on short trips or short amount of time is by hunting an area multiple times kind of over the course of years. So it might be, okay, I was out and I had five or six days in here. So I think that's a good place to start looking when I only have a limited amount of time. Oh yeah, I found success there. And I know people might be thinking like, oh yeah, but you, you don't always want to go back to the same place or sometimes, you know, you go back and conditions or whatever are different, but if the conditions are similar and you found success there in the past, that's a really good starting point. You know, don't discount the places that you've been in those, those honey holes that you already know. You've got a limited amount of time. So learning the country is kind of like removed from the equation. So it really maximizes your time, especially, you know, in places where you can have a general tag and hunt almost the whole state and you go, oh, I, you know, maybe want to go check out this area because I heard that's a hot area right now or there's big bulls over here. But then you can weigh that against maybe some past experience that you've had somewhere else. And I kind of, I would say, edge on the side of going with that experience. Now, tip number two is pre-plan. So this is for people, it's like, hey, I've got a tag in an area where I've never hunted before. I've got a tag, or maybe it isn't even an area where you hunted before, but I like to do a lot of work e-scouting, whether, you know, being in the same place is an option or not. Even if I am in a place that I've hunted before, I like to really build out my hunt plan. So I sit down and I start dropping pins and saying, these are places I'd like to check out. Here's going to be my plan for when I go. This is the first place I'm going to go to. I'm the type of person that I kind of want to be everywhere at once. And that's probably my weakness when it comes to hunting. It's like, I really want to be here and I want to be somewhere else. Every time I'm somewhere, I'm always thinking about those other spots. But what I really have to do is say, okay, here's where I'm hunting first. This is my primary spot, A. If something happens, like what happened to me is I went to my A spot the first day there was no one there and got into elk. And then I went back to A spot and A spot was blown up. There was just people everywhere. And I thought, okay. Now it's time to go to spot B and C or, or whatever. So I already had these spots in my mind, in my hunt plan, going like, okay, if this doesn't work out, this is where I'm going to go. 
and it really helps to kind of focus that way. I found that, you know, by building out like, okay, this is my primary spot where I want to check out whether it's something I've scouted or not. And then start checking off those other backup plans because you get into a new area and you go, man, there's no animals here. Or you get into a spot and you go, oh, there's a lot of people here. Okay, what am I going to do next? If you don't have those ideas and those plans in place ahead of time, it makes it feel like you're just kind of doggy paddling out there. But when you have those plans, it really helps you focus on, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I do a lot of that pre-planning scouting at home. Just I pull out my Go Hunt maps. I've just got, you know, I, I do a lot of work either on my computer or on my phone in 3D mode. And I really feel like I get a good lay of the land. Now, you know, as much as I've looked over topos and 3D mapping software and everything, right? There's nothing like boots on the ground. I mean, it kind of reminds me of college. Right? You could go to you could go to college for four years and get a degree, and your first day on the job, you're going to learn pretty much more than you did in the four years of schooling, because it's like real life application. Everything else on those maps is in theory, but when you actually get boots on the ground, that's when you really get a feel for the landscape, what's going on. You know, nothing really replaces that being out in the field. But having a plan when you get into the field is what makes being in the field more successful. So that's kind of a way that I think of it. So when I'm doing that e-scouting, I'm really pouring over and I'm looking for those key things that I'm keying in on for every species. So if it's elk and I wanted to be calling, so I gravitated toward the more timbered areas. In that more timbered area, I said, man, where's a couple like south-facing slopes that have a little bit of open greenery, maybe some burns around where I've got the combination of thick stuff, but if I don't find elk in that thick stuff, now I've got a burn that I can glass. Now I've got some openings that maybe will attract cows and have good feeding areas. So I built the plan out that way. If I was mule deer hunting, I would do the same thing, but just saying like, okay, where's the good glassing vantages? Okay, I go on there, 3D mapping software. I, I sit down essentially on my phone or whatever and scan around and say, yeah, I can see this spot. I can see that spot. Oh, here's a really good hill for mule deer bedding. You know, maybe thinking about those bedding areas like we talked about last week, thinking about this, thinking about that. And really, I mean, even just taking out your phone, making some notes and saying like, I like this spot because of this or when I drop a pin, I just leave notes. Like, otherwise I'll have a thousand pins. And what are all these pins? Try to color coordinate certain things. Like, here's a good glassing vantage. Use the icon, say, I like this glassing spot because I can see this. And it reminds me when I'm in the field, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So tip three is gonna be to be critical. One thing I think about is I like that chess game when it comes to hunting and I like analyzing why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it kind of ties in with the pre-planning and the pre-scouting, but if I think about it and I'm like, okay, I've got two days to hunt, three days to hunt, whatever it is. I want to, not that animals can't be anywhere, but I don't want to pick my spot based on like, oh, it looks good, but there's maybe something wrong with it. Like I like to pick my spots by being critical and saying, all right, does this hill have everything that I need? It, does this particular spot have a good glassing vantage? Does it have the right topography? If I'm mule deer hunting and I think it's going to be hot out, does it have the shade? Can I be critical about this spot and say, okay, there, there's probably a better spot somewhere else. So I'm going to be hypercritical of the way that I'm picking and planning my hunt. And not that you can't do that on every hunt. A lot of these tips and tactics are things that I yeah, kind of do on every hunt. Of course, you're going to find spots where, oh, I didn't expect to see animals there. That happens a lot. But 
when I have limited amount of time, I really prioritize those high percentage areas. Another thing is, you know, it, you got to really be critical about the type of experience you're looking for. Do I just want to go out and be successful or am I still only looking for a certain kind of bull, a certain kind of buck, a certain type of antelope? Am I just looking for opportunity? Am I looking for, you know, maybe a, a larger, more mature animal? Being critical about what your goals really are and then focusing on areas that can help you obtain that goal. You know, the way that I hunt mature mule deer isn't going to be the same way that I hunt immature bucks because they do different things different times of year so if i say oh man i really want to be successful then i'm going to probably target those deer that are easier to find where i know okay they're going to be with does and during the october season you know i I can assess it that way but if i'm going to go look for a mature buck i'm going to say well i'm going to find i know that the chances of success are going to be lower but that's what i'm looking for and so i'm going to pick the area based on that and i actually dive into that in my outdoor class a little bit but those are the kind of things that i think about when it comes to planning a hunt, especially when I have limited amount of time. Tip number four, this is pretty important, is utilize the time that you have. I don't care if you've got one day to hunt or five days to hunt, but you want to maximize the time that you have. I think about it like this, you know, when I go on a hunt, I use that time for hunting. Be out there early, stay till dark. Use the two days you have to hunt hard. I think if you've followed me for a little while, my personal motto is live wild, hunt hard because those two things go hand in hand. And I find a lot of success by that end part, hunting hard. I'm always surprised how, you know, people go, they drive however much, they take their time off, they get to a hunting area and they leave their camp 15 minutes before shooting time starts. I want to be the guy that's, shoot, just this weekend, I was at the trailhead two and a half hours before sunup, right? And it's like, I'm sitting on the knob an hour or half hour before daylight. Like I wanna be the person that's hiked in ready using that time. I'll sleep whenever, but I wanna be the guy that is like, if I've got two days, I'm using that sunup till dark. I wanna be in my spot and hiking out in the dark, hiking in in the dark. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for just the amount of time you have and putting in the time where you wanna be at that quality time, first part in the morning, first part in the evening, whether you're day hunting it or camping in or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, show up, be on time, utilize the time that you have. And I think you're going to find a lot more success that way, especially when you only have a couple days. All right. Tip number five is just going to be covering country. I think, you know, one of the things that happens to a lot of hunters is they get into a spot and maybe you've, you've hiked in there and you don't see what you thought you should see, or you're like, man, this this isn't that great, but you go, uh, but I've already hiked all the way up here. I'm already here, this, that, and the other thing. But you know that it's really not gonna be super productive. And so you go, oh, well, but you stay in this, this spot. And there's a lot of different ways to cover country. So glassing is the primary way that I like to cover country. Glass, glass, glass. You got a limited amount of time. The more country you can cover, the more chance you have of spotting something that you can hunt. That's if it's open country. Now, if it's thick and timbered country, covering country means being mobile, moving, still hunting, just covering more terrain. Maybe you're in an area where, hey, there's roads to different glassing vantages and you might have to go, okay, this glassing vantage to that glassing vantage to that glassing vantage. Whatever it is, the more country you can cover, the better your chances of finding what you're looking for. There's a lot of times when I pick a ridge that I'm going to hunt and I go, okay, 
well, you know, maybe the easiest way is their trail in the bottom. But if I hike on the ridge, I can glass this side of the mountain and this side of the canyon. I can hunt more country with essentially just slightly more effort. Now, sometimes it's actually easier to do that. But picking those places where I know, okay, I can cover country. I can get up here. I can glass that. I can hike here and look in here. I can hike there and look there. Cover as much country as possible in the time that you have. Step six is very similar to this, but it's move if you must. I've talked to people and they go, yeah, we've been hunting over here for five days, haven't seen an elk. Maybe it's what they're doing, right? You just don't know. But also I like to tend to think, and if I've hunted a place for five days and haven't seen an elk, I would hunt a different place because either you aren't seeing them or they aren't there, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If, if you aren't finding what you're looking for, move somewhere else. There's been so many times where you, okay, I've got a, a weekend to hunt. I'm going to backpack into a spot. I hike up, I backpack in, I get, you know, set up. So I like drive there, get there maybe midday or evening, hike up in the trailhead, start glassing morning, like nothing. I don't see when I'm like, we're no bugles. Okay. Uh, I go, you know, it's just like things aren't working out instead of saying, oh man, I'm already here. I go, nope. I'm going to go check the next draw over the other Canyon. I'm going to move until I figure out where the animals are that I want to chase. I'm looking for something. I don't have a lot of time to do it. So I'm going to be mobile and I'm going to move because it's not panning out. Then I'll move. Tip number seven, this one goes back to just grinding it out, but when in doubt, walk it out, you know, put some miles underfoot. The place I was hunting, you know, there was places I could get away from people and then it got filled up with people and I just thought, nope, I'm going to go to that spot that's a little bit further and, and just keep walking, keep walking past where the other people are hunting, you know, and I got into country that I felt like hadn't been hunted. And I think I was pretty right on that because I started to get bulls that were acting, you know, they were bugling back and forth. They were getting fired up in the middle of the day. They seemed like they hadn't really been pressured. And I felt like they hadn't really been hunted very hard. There wasn't a lot of sign of people being in there. And I was like, okay, I found a little spot where that other people just didn't really want to get to. And I really thought it wasn't really that hard to get to. There's some places you don't have to go that far. You can go, if everybody's hunting within 800 yards of the road, go 1,600 yards. That's just an example. But just go past where everybody else is at and you're going to find yourself in a position where, hey, maybe I can make good on this. And there's sometimes where I've packed in miles and everybody's there. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go back halfway because there's nobody halfway up the trail. There was people at the trailhead. There was people at the uh, head basin. I'm just going to go halfway and hunt there and, and get in elk where I'm not, or deer or whatever, where I'm not running in and getting messed with, with a bunch of people, even in places that are popular and heavily hunted. Tip eight, I say make plays, right? There's this thought and I see it happen with a lot of guys or I'll talk to guys and it's like, maybe we're, let's use this as an example, elk hunting, right? And they're glassing and they're looking way over, you know, two drainages over and they see some elk over there. And they're like, oh man, those are so far. Uh, let's look somewhere else, you know, I don't want to go after those elk or whatever it is. You don't have a lot of time. And this is, you know, maybe it's bow hunting, rifle hunting, whatever. If you have an opportunity to make a play, make a play. You've got limited time. Your success goes up when you're making those plays. And, you know, maybe it's not even a, a thing where it's so far, 
but you've got a mule deer bedded and you go, okay, I need to make a stock and I need to make this stock count. So I'm going to make this play and put it into action. You might be thinking like, yeah, of course you see something, you make a play, but there's so many times where I, I see people like they leave elk to go find elk. Tip nine, you know, if you got limited time to hunt, don't make stupid mistakes or look out for stupid mistakes. This kind of goes with making play, but one of the things that I always say to myself when I have an opportunity at an animal or I, I'm thinking about my hunt, I say, go the best way, not the easy way. And the reason for that is, you know, I've got limited time. I need to make the best opportunity I can. I need to make the most out of the opportunities that I'm given. So if that means like, oh, it'd be easy to cut across this canyon here, but the wind's a little shoddy and they might see me, or I can hike all the way around and, and get into a good position but it's going to be harder. I choose the hard way. I base my, I'm not choosing it because it's hard. Sometimes the easy way is the best way, but I don't make my decision based on choosing something because it's easy. I make it based off of choosing something because it's the best way to do it. And I know that it's the best chance for success. Even if it's a marginally different, I'll go that other way. Because I know that in the long run, if I, if, if I only have, if I've got a couple days to hunt, that opportunity that I have might be my only opportunity. So I need to make good on it. And I make good on it by making good decisions. Now, other like stupid mistakes, thinking about the little things, right? There's so many little mistakes that make things go wrong. So you see an animal and you go, okay, I, I'm just going to go over here. And, and you kind of do it in a hasty way instead of really thinking out, be like, what is the best approach? What's the best action? What can I do? What could potentially go wrong? You know, you check the wind, like, obviously check the wind make sure the wind's good um, think about okay what are the thermals going to do really think about the little things that can go wrong the little details like all right um, it's the evening time i'm going to start getting over there by the time i get over there the thermals are going to be going down uh, maybe i don't want to get above them maybe i want to be side to them where i can maybe adjust if those thermals start to change and just really thinking out your actions and saying like okay what's the best approach what's the best option i don't want to make a simple stupid mistake like popping over the ridge too soon or as i'm approaching not picking up my glass and, and looking in case they've moved and then get busted before I can get a shot. So just all the little details make a big difference. Tip 10 is going to be hunt every day like it's the last day of your hunt. I kill a lot of stuff on the last day. And I don't know if it's because on that last day you have to hunt, your mentality almost shifts. You play the game a little bit different. You push the limits a little bit harder. You push a little further. You make plays that maybe you, because you're, the shot clock's running and you're throwing up that like half court shot because there's no other options. Now, what if you hunt your first day like that? What if you hunt the second day like that? You know, taking that last day mentality, especially on a short hunt into the hunt with you, sometimes it can bite you in the butt. But I think that for the most part, if you hunted like you do on the last day every day, you're going to find success a little bit earlier because you're going harder, you're pushing it. You know, it goes back to that hunt hard for the days that you've got, really putting in that extra time. You go, oh, this is my last day. This is my last play. This is my last action. I can't mess up because if I do, I'm going home eating tag soup. And not everybody thinks about every day like that. A lot of people really like give it their all on that last day. And I like to give it my all on, on every day. So just hunting all the days that I have, like it's my last day. And I think that those little tips, if you can kind of put those into action, I mean, a lot of them kind of have the same theme of 
really hunting hard, really getting after it, but utilizing the time that you have and doing a little bit of pre-planning, pre-scouting, pre-thought, just whether it's e-scouting or whatever. And then when you get in on the hunt, you know, putting all those things into action and really giving it your full attention and you're just saying like, all right, I'm here for this amount of time and I'm just gonna really get after it. If that's how you enjoy to hunt and you're trying to find success, those are really good tips to think about to help find that success in a short amount of time. Man, I hope you guys can utilize some of those tips. And if you've only got a few days to get out, get out there, get after it. You know, I know some people think like, oh man, I've only got a couple of days to hunt this year or whatever it is. Utilize that time that you've got. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful. You can find success in a short amount of time. If you just, you know, really get after it and put in that time, do a little bit of pre-planning, pre-prepping and get out there, have a good time and hunt hard. And I think that you guys are going to find a lot of success. I'm really excited today because we're going to be doing a live call-in Q&A so you can call in, ask your questions. I really like doing these mid-season. This for me is like sat phone from the mountain time. So we're going to be doing it at 1 p.m. Pacific time today, Thursday. And uh, so for those of you that listen when the podcasts come out, it's awesome. We also always do a sweet giveaway. So we've got great prizes. So one lucky caller gets to go home with some sweet gear. The way it works is when it goes live and check my social media at Remy Warren on Instagram, just in case there's technical difficulty, sometimes bad service or something happened might vary by a few minutes. But when I, I open it up, be on the phone, call in and you'll get put into like a waiting room. And then you'll be able to hear the podcast as it's going live for those people that are in there. It's about 20 or 30 people. And then I start answering calls. We do it for about an hour. So if you haven't called in yet, you know, you want to, now's your time. I'm doing it uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, but check social media too. Just make sure everything's running smooth and then get on there quick because lines fill up fast and there's some pretty awesome prizes. The last, the last one would we give away like a pretty awesome prize from Stone Glacier. Like there's some rad stuff that goes out on these. Uh, we gave away a pair of Schnee's boots, like some really good stuff. So I think that that's also why the, the lines fill up so fast. So ask your hunting questions. Sweet to do it mid-season too, because there's guys that are like, yesterday, I this happened. <laughs> you know, there's probably something you can be like, hey, I'm on the mountain. I see this bull. What's going on? So yeah, give me your calls. I'm excited for that. Talked a little bit about hunt planning, e-scouting. A lot of success, especially if you only have limited time, comes down to like e-scouting, planning, even just, I mean, honestly, a lot of it comes down to as well, finding the right tag. So one of our partners, Go Hunt, this is what they do. They've got the mapping software, but they've also got the insider. That's a lot of the information I use there is kind of how I find a lot of these tags and think about, okay, here's, you know, do different filters, find certain tags. That's what starts this whole process, you know, in January, February, whenever. And then I go through to now this point and I've done a lot of work ahead of time. So it's like, oh yeah, you, you went out and you killed a bull in two days. And I was like, yeah, but I put in a lot of time outside of that, researching the unit, thinking about where I'm going, dropping pins, doing all that stuff. So it's an incredible tool. I mean, I love working with them because it's something that I use and, I, and I'm stoked to use it because I find a lot of success with it. So right now for this short amount of time, if you use code LIVEWILD for Go Hunt, I guess it's until November 28th, you're going to get $50 in the gear shop credit for the Explorer. So their Explorer membership is just the mapping software. Normally, if you use that code, you'd get $20 
And what that does is like you can use that $50 to buy anything in the Go Hunt store. I've got a preferred gear list on there. So it shows you the stuff that's in my pack right now. You can get it and it's like, it's, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a certain price point or whatever. You can use it on anything in there. So you can use it for a discount on stuff or you can just use it to buy something that is that price or whatever. And then if you use it on the Insider subscription, you'll get $75 in the gear shop. Normally it's 50. So just so you guys know, those are out there for you. I, I thank Go Hunt for giving us those codes and doing those kind of deals for our listeners. I think that's pretty sweet. So if you guys want that, check it out. Until next week, I'm just going to say, if you got a short amount of time, go hard. See you guys later.